You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On a Monday edition of the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we're going to give you post-game sound clips from Kyle Whittingham as he spoke to the media, along with Devin Lloyd and Makai Bernard. Later in the day, Jake and I will have a breakdown of Kyle Whittingham's press conference in addition to our thoughts on what happened in the game, uh, what we saw that we liked, what we didn't like, and position grades, all that kind of stuff, all coming up in a later episode. For now, Monday morning, enjoy the postgame sound from the University of Utah here on the Locked on Utes podcast. This is the Locked on Utes podcast here on the Locked on Podcast Network. We are brought to you by... The Locked On Pac-12 Podcast. There's no better place to get all of your Pac-12 conference news than the Locked On Pac-12 Podcast, hosted by Cindy Robinson. Follow the Locked On Pac-12 Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it now on YouTube. Still making some appearances there. Uh, Not as many as we've started to add more and more hosts to the the Locked On Pac-12 footprint, which is awesome. We're also making alliances here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, not a lot of breakdown from me. Uh, if you know who I am, if you follow here on Locked On Utes, you also know that we do the Utah Blogcast. Uh, Cameron and Steve and I got together for a long time yesterday and talked about everything that was very frustrating. Um, that's more of a event session. Uh, we're going to play some sound clips here from Kyle Whittingham and Makai Bernard and Devin Lloyd. We'll start out with Devin and Makai, and you can give uh, give that a listen, and then we'll put Kyle Whittingham on the other side. Um, but it was it was a uh, an ugly effort on behalf of the University of Utah. BYU was definitely more prepared; they executed at a higher level. The two early turnovers definitely put Utah into a hole. I thought the defense did a good job of steadying against that hole, but the offense was never able to find a rhythm. They did not seem to be executing on things that have been traditional hallmarks of Utah offenses under Andy Ludwig. Not a lot of motion, uh, not a lot of power run game. We didn't see a lot of counter power. Some of those plays that Utah has really done uh, and and executed effectively. The one time that they did try to run something, uh, there was a miscommunication up front on the offensive line. There are too many mental errors going on up front on the offensive line. Things like uh, interior players not keeping their eyes up, watching for linebackers, and it's Likely players that have not played in the first game but played in the second game that are doing that, and also players that should know better that are doing that and are not executing that. Uh, if that's pretty broad, it's likely because there's only one, maybe two guys as they watch the offensive line play. But I felt like it really did execute at a high level. And uh, I don't like calling people out by name, um, but really the only the only guy who's been consistent across the past two games that I feel like is is worth pointing out really playing well is Braden Daniels. Um, the, the revolving door at the left tackle position I think was uh, – I, I understand the reasoning for that, but Utah needs to make a decision on some of these things, and they need to get some cohesion up front. I thought that Satawa Lomea looked very rusty in his first appearance. Uh, you could see it at times that his eyes were not 
up, looking around. They were locking in on players. I think when Utah was man-on-man, the pass protection was pretty reliable. Um, But for the most part, anytime BYU sent blitzes or stunts or got confusing with that, Utah really had a hard time and struggled with it again. Um, You can point at coaching. You can point at scheme. You can point at whatever you want, the reasoning for it. The bottom line is that it has to happen. The execution has to happen. And here's the hardest part. It looked like throughout the game to me that whatever Utah was doing to try and quote-unquote trick BYU, they had seen before, and they knew exactly what Utah was going to do after it. They knew their tendencies. Um, Utah was still able to be pretty effective in the run game, and the yards per play averages were very good, but they could not convert on third down, and they really struggled in the third and long. And some of that comes down to scheme, some of that comes down to execution, and some of that comes down to game plan. And uh, overall, it was just a really cruddy effort on the offensive side of the football. I thought the defensive side was better, uh, but just too many plays for the defense and not enough plays on offense. And you wear down when you get to 70 plays and your offense has only had 40 plays. Uh, That's just an absolutely insane differential. And if Utah was 20 or 30 plays closer, I don't know that – uh, they lose this game. So, um, But having said that, I think there's a lot of good things to glean from two players that I, I thought played pretty well for the most part. Uh, one of these guys, Makai Bernard, who I've touted his his skill set for a long, long time here on the podcast, was was fantastic. And he, he ran for – he ran with a love for the game. And uh, I just absolutely – have loved Makai since I first saw him as as a recruit, since I've seen him come into the program. I've been very high on him. To see him have this kind of success is not necessarily a surprise to me. Um, but we'll listen to Makai, and then we're also going to listen to uh, Devin Lloyd. Okay, we will start off with Trevor Allen from KSL Sports. Go ahead, Trevor. I, got some sweet I know it's really raw right now, but what are your thoughts? I, I mean, it seemed like you had a really strong game, but you guys just couldn't get the, the proper stops, and you guys had some turnovers in that first half. Uh, you know, we just turned the ball over. Uh, we didn't play our best game at all whatsoever. Um, you know, we got a lot to work on, and uh, we're going to come back next week harder than ever, and we're going to come right with a dub, so. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Makai, can you hear me? Yeah. On the fourth and two from the eight, when you guys were down three, were you surprised that you guys went for it on fourth down? And just what were you seeing as that play unfolded? Um, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, uh, it's, a, it's a big game. So we trying to, we trying to get in the end zone any way we could. Uh, it was just a rough little Miscommunication, that's all it was. And, uh, you know, we just got to get better. Next up, Josh Furlong, KSL.com. McKay, what do you, what do you think it was that, that BYU did that was so effective to be able to kind of get you guys not in your rhythm? Um, I don't think they did anything specific, you know. Uh, we, we went over everything they, they ran. Offensively, we went over what they defense uh, ran. It's just We just couldn't execute. That's all it was. Next, Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle. Makai, the rest of the running backs really seemed to struggle out there tonight, but you know, you led the room with 146 yards. What was the difference for you as opposed to them? Um, you know, we all just we all came to work. 
this week, you know, uh, I don't know what the difference was. I guess, you know, I just been here longer. I know the difference of uh, what, what this game really means to everyone. So I feel like I just came out here and uh, just played. We'll go back to Josh Furlong, followed by Trevor Allen. Kai, earlier this week, you talked about how this streak was important to get. Uh, what, what does it feel like? What are your emotions like now that that streak has ended? Uh, so it's a tough one. It, uh, it really is. Um, you know, nine in a row, we try to make it 10. I mean, we had a good run. Uh, we won't see these guys for another couple years. So it, it's tough. We had to end it on this one. But, um, you know, we're going to come back harder. We're going to start a new streak. So, Trevor Allen. Are you guys, uh, is the message in the locker room already turning your guys' attention to next week against San Diego State? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, we got to keep moving on. You can't, you can't dwell on the past. You know, this is in the past now. Um, you know, we'll get to work next week in San Diego State. That's, that's, we got to go one and against them. Okay, thank you, Makai. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Next, we'll have linebacker Devin Lloyd. Those who'd like to ask questions, get in the queue, please use the raise hand feature. Okay, thank you, Devin. We'll start off with Trevor Allen, KSL Sports, followed by Matt Coles of the AP. Devin, you were here in, in 2019 for, for the game where you guys really handled them in, in the line of scrimmage. I mean, what was, what was different in this game compared to to uh, 2019, I mean, it seemed like there, there were some times where they, they just converted on third down. Got to get stops. Um, we did good on control downs, first, second down, but too many third down conversions. Um, that's simple as it gets. We gave them too many third down conversions. Next, we'll go to Matt Coles of the AP, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kevin, what did they do to uh, get loose, especially the quarterback hall? We got to be more assigned to some of those QB runs. As far as uh, gap integrity and then keeping the edge, um, he got, you know, the edge on us a couple of times. QB scramble, um, you know, QB draw a couple of times down the middle. Um, we got to just understand that we got to be gap sound and contain the quarterback. We'll go next to Josh Newman, followed by Josh Furlong. Yeah, Devin, aside from uh, the third down stuff that you mentioned, how tough were things early just having to deal with a short field after the, you know, the pick and uh, the fumble by Tavion having to deal with a short field? I'd say we handled the short fields pretty well. I mean, especially uh, in the first half, you know, I think one of them, you know, they punted and the other, you know, they got a field goal. So we got to just execute on third downs. That's really what it came down to all game. Um, you know, we did a good job of it. Know, those first couple, but as the game progressed, uh, they started to convert more. And just to follow that up, as, as an older guy, as somebody who's beaten BYU a few times, you know, what are the emotions like right now in your last BYU game, not being able to, to come out with the win this time? I mean, it obviously hurts. It hurts everybody. Um, just know we put in how much the right means. I mean, Josh Furlong, followed by Jeff Thomas from Ute Nation. Devin, you guys uh, had a hard time getting to, to Jaron tonight. Was was that part of the game plan to kind of play it a little bit more conservative in the sense of trying to keep him in in, in lines, or, or what was what was going on there that, that you guys couldn't get to him as well? 
wouldn't uh, say conservative. Um, we got to hit home. You know, we had zero sacks, and that's unacceptable. No turnovers, no havoc plays at all. Uh, that's unacceptable for our defense. Um, it wasn't conservative play calling. Um, you know, we got to just take pride in getting to the quarterback and making big plays at the end of the day. We'll go next to Jeff Thomas from UteNation.com. Hey, Devin, was there anything that uh, BYU did in particular that caught you guys by surprise on defense? Um, I wouldn't say anything schematic-wise. Um, everything that we saw, we studied. Uh, I, I'd say defensively, we felt very prepared. Um, we just didn't execute. Um, quarterback got loose a couple times. Like I said, we lost the edge. Um, just didn't convert in critical situations. Okay, anything else for Devin? Thanks, Devin. There you have it. Post game comments from Makai Bernard and Devin Lloyd. Uh, clearly not not pleased with the performance, and, and you know, understandably so. That for as important as the rivalry game is, that team came out flat, um, really lacking energy for the most part. They they didn't seem to be playing as if they were uh, holding a ton of confidence. And uh, I've already given my thoughts on given my thoughts on the game plan. Um, you know, and, and I think some of it is that you empower your players when you give them a game plan that they can be confident in, but you also empower your players when you put them in situations where they see success during the game. So uh, those will be my final thoughts regarding that. In the meantime, college football f- uh, fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world, and it offers all the all-star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. How it works, you pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to ten times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Back here on the Locked on Youth podcast, giving you sound from Kyle Whittingham as he spoke to the media and uh, some interesting comments from Kyle. Uh, overall, his demeanor didn't seem incredibly uh, upset or down, you know, in terms. It's almost like he was a little bit more passionate about the Weber State game. You know what? I'm going to back off that a little bit because it's hard to really gauge these kinds of things when you're watching videos. Um and that's the difficulty with everything that they're going through with COVID right now. The press conference is all on video, so you can't actually be down there, can't be talking to the players, can't get a real feel for the vibe. Uh, I am absolutely positive that there there is some very negative emotions and feelings going on surrounding this game from inside the program, and we'll likely hear more uh, later today when we hear from Kyle Whittingham in his press conference once he had a chance to watch the film. Uh, but overall, some interesting comments on from Kyle Whittingham here. Coach, would you like to begin with some opening comments? Sure. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Kalani, their football team. They played outstanding. Um, you know, give them credit. They they won the football game tonight. Uh, beat us in the line of scrimmage, which 
I would have bet my house going in that uh, we would not lose the line of scrimmage. My house isn't worth that much, so it's not that big a deal. But I would have, I would never have seen the uh, seen that coming where, where we didn't control the line of scrimmage. That's our mo. That's what we do best, and uh, we surrendered nearly 250 yards rushing. Uh, couldn't get a sack. Had zero sacks, zero takeaways on defense, which which is not a good recipe for uh, success uh, offensively. Not good enough on third down. We only snapped at 50-something times because we couldn't convert a third down. They were two out of nine on third down, and they were uh, 11 out of 19. So, so consequently, we snap at 55, 54 times. They snap at 70-something times, and that's – you got to win third down. you got to do a better job on third down. Um, but, yeah, they, uh, they deserve the win. we got to regroup. And I uh, got a road trip to uh, San Diego State. We put one on Arizona tonight. So uh, we got our hands full in, in that game. And uh, that's all we can do is pick ourselves up off the mat, uh, figure out where deficiencies are, and uh, get them corrected and uh, be ready to play the Aztecs uh, next weekend. So questions? We'll begin the questions with Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Trevor <laughs> Allen, KSL Sports. Kyle, can you expand a little bit on the play up front? I know it's fresh and raw and you haven't seen film, but what were you seeing out there and, and, and what do you think was going wrong live well, in the moment? On, a, on our defensive line, we were getting pushed and uh, it was evident by the running backs, you know, after contact, we're getting three or four extra yards because of the surge of the offensive line. Uh, the runners ran hard and did a really nice job. We uh, just, we couldn't hold up. We didn't hold up. And, and so that's, that's, uh, you know, my fault, I guess. I got to get him, you know, find a way to get him better and, and get him, uh, you know, in situations and positions to be more successful. So that was the thing on uh, our, our defense uh, at the line of scrimmage. Offensively, you know, we ran the ball pretty good at times. Um, came away with about 180 yards. I think we were over seven yards of carry. But if you can't convert third downs and extend drives and keep drives alive, then uh, you know it's not going to be a good outcome. We only move the chains. I think it was 15 times, and uh, it's not enough. It's not nearly enough to to win a football game in this day and age. And just a quick follow-up to that, Kyle. Um, on the fourth and two from the eight, when you guys were down 10-7, can you share the thinking behind going for it instead of kicking the field goal? Sure. Analytics, which I don't pay 100% attention to, had it as a solid goal from four or less. We were at two. And uh, I thought that that was the, the play right there. I, you know, they, just because it's a bad outcome doesn't mean it was a bad decision. I do it again. That's, uh, you know, that's what should have happened in that situation, in my uh, opinion, and as well as the analytics. And, and so uh, you can't base the decision on the outcome. And uh, that's, you know, that's what happened there. And then they proceeded to go, obviously, 90, 93 yards after that, which shocked me. You know, people don't usually drive on our defense uh, you know, those length of drives. And so couldn't find a way out of that drive. We'll go next to Trevor Allen, kslsports.com. Kyle, what, what was your message to your players, especially knowing that this uh, nine-game streak over BYU is over? Yeah, well, the message was uh, we're disappointed. Uh, we didn't play as well as we're capable of playing. I, I can tell you that for certain. Um, but, again, I'm not trying to take away anything from their victory because they, they earned it. But uh, we, that was uh, – not our best football. We've got to pick ourselves up off the map. We've got a lot of football ahead of us. Uh, this does nothing to our uh, ultimate goal of trying to win the Pac-12, which obviously is going to be very, very challenging. But 
you know, we got to just pick ourselves up and, and figure out what we did wrong and, and get better and, and move forward. Next, Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Kyle, how would you grade out Charlie's performance tonight, knowing that, you know, the offensive line kind of allowed some pressures in, but just he wasn't able to make some of those throws, especially down at the end? Yeah, you don't have to watch the film to, to get the exact uh, gauge on how Charlie played. His numbers weren't bad. You know, we didn't throw the ball a ton, but uh, you know, his completion percentage was fairly high. We, we did have uh, the interception. And that was, you know, it was not an ideal way to start the game, two, tur- two turnovers. And, and uh, you know, it could have been 21-0 early very easily, but our defense did some really good things early on in the game. But uh, as far as Charlie's performance, we'll have to take a good hard look at the film and, and uh, see what, uh, what was going on there. Quick follow-up on the offense. Uh, Makai obviously you know, led the team in, in rushing yards. Tavion had the fumble. Are you starting to see that separation with Makai there? Apparently we are. Yeah, he, he played very well tonight, ran hard, uh, ripped off some big runs. He's also a great uh, receiver out of the backfield. So he's a weapon for us. He played his heart on it. That's another thing. Our guys, there's no quitting our guys. You know, not, not uh, that anybody's alluding to that, but I was proud of our guys for hanging in there to the very end and, and uh, continue to battle. And uh, that's encouraging. You know, there's a lot of fight in these guys, but uh, we came up short. But back to your question, yeah, Makai, certainly seemed to get some separation between him and the other backs tonight. Trevor Allen, KSLsports.com. Uh, what, what was the, the big boiling point to what happened up front on the, the uh, D-line, you know, not, not being able to get some TFLs getting, getting into the backfield? Big what point? The, the boiling point. What was, what was the main reason why they weren't able to get in the backfield well you know that's another thing the the, off, the uh, line play is really you have to have a, a chance to watch the film because that's the hardest thing to see during the game and watch the monitor uh, you know this big screen as much as i could but but uh they were just surging off the ball and we weren't we weren't uh getting any knockback that's that's something we stress and and uh, pride ourselves on and is the starting point to play d line here is to get some knockback on the offensive line reestablish the line of scrimmage and and uh, we weren't able to do that. Just uh, couldn't do it. And consequently, no TFLs, no sacks, no takeaways. And that's the third time I said consequently this interview. So that's it for that. We'll go to Josh Furlong, KSL.com. How, how, do you, how do you rally the team after something like this? Obviously, you had you know mistakes in that first game. You've got mistakes in this game. Where, where do you kind of where, – where do you go from here? Well, we're a work in progress, like pretty much every team in the country is at this point in the season, just a couple games in. But you lean on your leaders heavily. Obviously, that's something that that we need to have those guys step up and, and make sure that uh, we have more resolve and more uh, determination than, than what we what we uh, had tonight. And again, not that anybody laid down because we didn't quit, but we got to find a way to uh, to be better. And, and the captains are. A big part of that, coaches. We got to work harder as coaches, if that's possible. I mean, we're we're in the office uh, for hours on end, but uh, we got to work smarter than what we're doing. We got to be got to be better coaches. Final question will come from Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, you've spoken highly um, of Tavion, but the fact that he put it on the deck and lost a fumble for the second game in a row how 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 frustrating is that? Because otherwise, he has played well. Yeah, it's extremely frustrating, but you've got to take care of the football. You can't put it on the ground. And there was actually another one that was stripped 
Fortunately, his knee, his knee was down, so it didn't go in the statistics, but it was a strip nonetheless. You got to do a better job securing the football, and that's job one. If you can't secure the football, you can't play. Now, we're not going to give up on Tavion by any means, but uh, you cannot, you know, you cannot have the ball turned over, uh, and he's just going to have to fix that and work with him on that every single day in practice, and he's gotten better. But uh, you again saw it tonight. That's two that counted in two games, and that's uh, that's too many. Okay, thank you, Coach. Thank you, guys. All right, some interesting commentary there from Kyle Whittingham. Uh, he opens his comments with saying that he would bet his house, he would have bet his house, that they wouldn't lose the battle in the trenches. And, uh, you know, that may have been some of the problem, to be honest with you. Not necessarily that they lost the battle in the trenches, but just that they were so confident in that aspect in that area of the game. So we uh, tried to talk about it as much as we possibly could last week, that this was a talented BYU football team, that there were people that were really underrating them. Uh, that especially on the defensive line, I felt like they were going to give very solid effort, and they did. They varied their coverages. They uh, varied the looks that they were giving the University of Utah, did, did a lot of uh, stunting, a lot of blitzing, a lot of good understanding of where Utah was not was susceptible to uh, those types of games, and you just didn't see the adjustments. And, you know, Witt was pretty, I think – I don't know if hedging is the right word, but he said, you know, that's that's likely on me, and it is. Um, but it's also on the assistants. It's, it's on everybody at this point in time, and it's a problem that we'll see next week if it gets fixed. But there is one absolute problem that is is becoming a running theory and or a running theme throughout it, and that is third down conversions. Utah absolutely needs to be better on third down. Anything below forty percent is just not good enough, and they're in the twenty percent right now. It is bad, folks. And maybe the only way that it can get any worse is if you were dripping sweat while having to read those statistics while wearing a light-colored shirt or maybe a shirt that shows uh, moisture too easily. And I got the solution for you. It's Sweat Block. Doctor created, doctor recommended. Works for up to seven days per use. It gives you the dry shirt guarantee. If Sweat Block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. Bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Over 13,000 reviews. Manufactured in the USA. The best part about Sweat Block, you can wear what you want. It is your little secret of confidence. It is a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether it's a big presentation or a hot date. Everyone can benefit from what Sweat Block brings to you. Um, you know, I've uh, talked about it a lot. It should be obvious just from who I am and, and how I talk that I am a very sweaty guy. Uh, you know, it, it is I, I run hot. I always have. I likely always will. I like the thermometer down. Um, I hate having underarm sweat. That's why I use sweat block antiperspirant wipes. It is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash and go about your day without worrying about sweat guaranteed. I know it'll sound too good to be true, but I literally only have to use sweat block once or twice a week and it keeps me dry the entire time. No more pitting out, no more uh, wetness under the arms and, and, and that kind of swamp arm going on. No more picking my shirts based on which one will hide, hide the sweat marks better or, or which one has all the, uh, you know, the, the nasty stuff from, from the overuse of antiperspirant. None of that going on any, anymore. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. If you can't tell, I'm lacking a little bit the normal energy, the pizzazz that I normally have uh, up late the night before. 
that game just leaving a bad taste in my mouth. So you know what I'm going to reach for? It's a Built Bar. Uh, and, and we've gone over this so many times that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. And honestly, like there's kind of a fun little thing happening here. And, and some of it is, <laughs> I know it's frustrating for those of you who, who don't order six boxes at a time, but I really uh, love the new flavors and, and things that they're coming out with. The, the latest one that they had was the banana cream puff bar. That's one that I got to try a, a little while ago. And I love that one. Uh, it's pretty cool how they're kind of switching it up and allowing you to pick different flavors at different times. And the best part about it is that they also have the nine flavors that we all know and love. Uh, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, orange, strawberry, coconut, raspberry, salted caramel, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. One thing that I've been doing lately is is mixing the Rocky Road with the cherry barcia, like a little cherry Rocky Road action going on. It's a pretty tasty little mixture. Um, Bill Bar has 17 to 18 grams of protein, depending on which flavor you get, all under 100 uh 180 calories, some 130, only four grams of sugar. Uh, the best part about it is you can get a mixed box if you don't know which flavor you like, or you can go get a whole entire box if you're like me and you go crazy for cookies and cream or cherry barcia. Uh, you get a promo code discount of locked 15. There is not a better discount out there than locked 15. I can promise you that we have the best discount that I have seen. If you have a better one out there, I challenge you to find it and let me know. Uh, go to builtbar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That includes the new protein balls. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, gluten, grain, and dairy-free, 10 grams of protein. You can order those right now and get 15% off. Just go to built.com. Wrapping things up here on the Monday edition of the Locked On Youth Podcast, Jake and I will have another episode later today once Kyle Whittingham has had a chance to speak to the media. Had to get a couple things in before we bounce today, though. Some big happenings up on the hill in two sports that we love to talk about here. One of my favorite, Utah Volleyball. The number 20 Utes stunned number three Nebraska in a five-set thriller on the road in Lincoln. This is a huge, huge deal. I don't know how many of you followed them in the spring, but I believe Lincoln, Nebraska is, is well, Nebraska, Omaha, is where the youth season ended last year in the NCAA tournament. Returning back to Nebraska, you have to believe that they were out for uh, for a, uh, uh, I don't know, revenge, because it wasn't necessarily Nebraska that they lost to. I believe it was Pitt that they lost to. Uh, back in the spring, but out to uh, maybe wash the bad taste out of their mouth. Um, but bottom line is after dropping the opening two sets, the number 20-ranked Utah volleyball team stunned the number three-ranked Nebraska Huskers in front of 8,000 fans at the Devaney Center on Saturday night in a five-set thriller. They 18-25, uh, 24-26, then won the, the next set, 27-25. Won the second, the next next set. So the fourth set, 25-22. I should just talk about like that, not one, two, three, four, five, not next, 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 next. Uh, 15 to 13 in the last one to remain undefeated on the season. Utah began its rally late in the third set, never looked back, moving to 7-0 on the season and handing Nebraska its first loss of the year. This is coming from the University of Utah website. 
uh, Coach Beth Lanier had the following to say. Once we were in the third set and then battling in the fourth, I thought about what a great situation this is to be in early in the season. We showed great mental composure throughout the fourth and fifth sets. Early in the season, you were trying to define yourself as a team, and this was an incredible opportunity to play a great team and define ourselves in this moment. We defended tremendously, and everyone was doing their role. It truly was a team effort tonight. Standout performance for the Utah volleyball team. I bet you can't guess at least one of them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Danny Drews with 27 kills, an ace and a block. That's incredible numbers for Danny. She seems to really be finding her stride this year. Uh, I think being able to come back for this season was something that, uh, from what I've been able to gather, something that she kind of went back and forth, and there were some other opportunities perhaps. And I think she just felt like she had some unfinished business here. So clearly showing that that she is continuing her streak. She is, uh, without a doubt, one of my favorite athletes ever uh, to watch play, uh, watch compete. Uh, but joined in her efforts by Zoe Weatherington, who has been also very outstanding this year with 17 kills and five blocks. Madeline Robinson had 12 kills, two aces and two blocks. And Steph uh, Jankowitz had four kills, two aces, and one block as well. A pretty outstanding game for the University of Utah volleyball team. Shout out to them. What an effort. Like, this is really a big deal. Uh, you know, Nebraska, I believe, is one of the top teams in, in volleyball. So very, very exciting for them. Uh, continuing to stay undefeated, stay ranked. Uh, returning home, I saw a picture. I believe it was Coach Lanier uh, posted of one of the one of the volleyball players uh, doing some homework in the airport on the way home. Sometimes it's easy to forget with all this stuff how uh, they are still student athletes. But huge shout out to the University of Utah volleyball team on that uh, outstanding, outstanding performance. Also in competition this weekend, the Utah women's soccer team. Took on the Dixie State uh, Trailblazers and blanked the Blazers three to nothing, scoring two goals in the first half, one in the second. It's their second straight shutout, back to back shutouts, always a good thing, uh, and also good to get a win over an in-state rival. Up next, they'll be at Utah State on Thursday, September sixteenth. Uh, coming off of back to back victories here, as uh, or well, I should say. Uh, tie and a victory, but back-to-back shutouts as in the Thursday night affair against BYU at Ute Field. That one was tied nil-nil after two overtimes, uh, but a much improved stretch here for the Utah women's soccer team as they are currently sitting 4-3-1 and one overall as they head up north to Logan to play Utah State. They will start their Pac-12 season on September 24th at Stanford. That'll be a big one for the Utes. Uh, scoring goals in this one, uh, we had Michaela Christensen with one goal on one shot on goal. Pretty impressive effort from her. Brooklyn James had one goal with two shots on goal. Uh, Courtney Talbot also a goal with four shots on goal and the assist. Aaron Bridges, four shots, one shot on goal and one assist. A pretty solid effort from the University of Utah soccer program. Shout out to them. Again, they will be in action again on Thursday as they take on Utah State. 
That's it for today's episode of the Locked On Utes podcast. We will talk to you a little bit more this afternoon. Remember to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on social media at Locked On Utes on Twitter. And email the show, LockedOnUtes at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been the Locked On Utes podcast for September 13th, 2021.